Well, I'm confident most of you guys are glad that I got jeans back on, so uh, I know some of you guys are jealous thinking, man, those are great looking legs. Uh, so, uh, so a person throughout their life, they, they start making some maybe bad, some, some bad decisions and they, they find themselves given over to drugs and alcohol and maybe even to the extent that they're, they're selling uh, drugs or there's a, a person who is so angry that um, they go off and they, they kill the person that they're angry at or maybe it's not those things that's like you're like whoa that's not me but maybe you're a person who says or believes that I've done so much bad I've done things wrong and I've done it for such a long time and I've it's just this huge amount of sin in my life that God could never forgive me. We got this true-false, talking about the sketchy views of God. This is our last week of that. We're going to be going into a series on King David from the Old Testament and how God worked in his life as a leader of a nation. Um, but we have this true-false. And don't answer out loud, just think. We can sin so much that God can't or won't forgive us. Is that a true statement or is that a false statement? Is I said don't answer out loud, people. I'm done. No. I mean, if you're not going to listen to me. Well, for those of you who know, evidently, no, the great, the great answer to that is that that's a false statement. God can and will forgive us of our sins. If we ask Him for forgiveness and we give Him our lives, He forgives us of our sin. This, is a, a, this question is important because people who think this way, and there are a bunch of people, even people in your life and in my life, who think this way, if they continue having the sketch of you, if they continue thinking that they have sinned so much or so badly that God can't forgive them, they're going to miss the opportunity to receive God's offer of forgiveness and to be able to have a relationship with Him in this life. And when they, they die, they'll spend eternity without Him in hell. And again, hell's not a place that... I mean, God designed hell for actually for Satan and his demons. It wasn't designed for... Mankind. It's just that when man chose to sin, like we all do, that sin needs to be judged. And so it's important for them to know that God can and will forgive them of the sin, no matter how bad they think it might be. And, and believers, it's important for us to get this right. Because number one, as believers, we can sometimes forget what it was that God forgave us for. See, when the Bible talks about being forgiven of our sins, cleansed from all unrighteousness, which we're going to read here in a little bit, it means that God is forgiving your sins past, present, and future. And so oftentimes as Christians, what we do is we accept that. We say, yeah, God's forgiven me of my sins past, present, and future. And it comes out of our mouths really nice and easily. But then we have a tendency sometimes to continue to remember our sins past, present, and thinking we're going to do it again in the future. And allow that to keep us from experiencing what God wants to do in and through us. The relationship that he wants with us. We start kind of backpedaling from God because, well, he doesn't want me in his presence anymore. Anyways. And then the second part of that is, 
then we're not on mission with him. Because he wants us to take that gospel message that, hey, I'm willing to forgive you of your sin message to those in our lives who need it. And so this is extremely important for us to have an accurate view of who God is and then to present that view to others accurately. So we're going to talk about today how God views our sin and how God can forgive and is willing to forgive our sin. I'm going to start by... um, talking about a guy named Saul. It actually starts with a guy named Stephen. And, uh, but then it brings Saul into the picture. So Stephen, he was a guy who lived you know, a couple thousand years ago, uh, a real-life guy. Just because it happened 2,000 years ago doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> you know, there's history. Uh, and so Stephen was a, a leader in the, the church in Jerusalem. And he was going around, he was telling people that, hey, if you, if you ask God to forgive you of your sins and you place your faith in Jesus Christ... You'll actually have your sins forgiven, and God will take you to heaven one day. Which made the other religious leaders in that town pretty upset, because that's not what they were teaching people, and they were losing people in their church because he was sharing this true message. This other churches didn't have an accurate view of who God was, so they were giving the wrong message. And Stephen was giving the right message. And so the religious leaders arrested Stephen, and they brought him before to interrogate him. And in the interrogation... Stephen starts saying, oh yeah, hey, by the way, you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to have God's forgiveness of your sins. You need to know you have a relationship with God, and then when you die, you'll get to go to heaven. And they all came to Christ. No, I'm just kidding. They they were so angry. It says that they, they rushed him, and they grabbed him, and they took him outside. And of course, you know, I don't wear clothes like we do today, but they took off their outer garment, their you know, their vest thing that they were, and they laid it at the feet of a guy named Saul. And, and so Saul's sitting there watching their, clothes, clothes, their cloaks, and these guys are picking up rocks, and they are throwing them at Stephen until he dies. You know, different idea of, you know, we talk about people getting stoned. Well, this guy was stoned to death with actual stones, rocks. Okay, like two of you guys got that joke. At the nine o'clock, crickets. There was just nothing. And that's why I just kept on going. Um, That was a little bit sad because I thought that was a good joke. But anyways. So Saul, this young and -and up-and-coming religious leader, he's standing there watching their cloaks, making sure that they're not getting too dirty and all. But he is thoroughly invested in this. He loves the fact that they are killing Stephen, and he wants part of it. He wants to be involved in it. And so they give him the lead in going after these believers of Jesus Christ. It says this, But Paul began ravaging. You know, he's injuring and damaging and destroying the church. Now, not talking about the church building. All right, he's not going around to their homes and breaking out windows and graffitiing, you know, their houses or turning their, you know, furniture over or whatever. No, the church are people. And so he's ravaging people. He's entering their house And he's dragging off men and women, these who are believers. And he would put them in prison. Now Saul, still breathing against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. So he's he's all geeked up on this. He's going to be taking out these believers. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So these believers, they're not just meeting in homes. They're actually still using the Jewish houses of worship which, of course, is making the Jewish people pretty upset as well. 
so that if he found any belonging to the way, which is talking about you know, believers, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so Saul is laser focused on this mission. These believers, these followers of Jesus Christ need to be taken out. And so he's going to different towns and he's arresting them. And he's putting them in prison. Some of them he's, he's actually having killed. Men and women. He doesn't care who they are. They all need to be taken out. So put yourself in the shoes of God or in the shoes of Jesus. What would you do if you were him? You know, believers are called children of God. So if you were God and somebody was messing with your children, including killing them, what would you do? Now, my kids, uh, they know what I would do. So, I'm just going to confess, uh, there was a point in my life where uh, I was in a bad spot, and uh, I was playing the game of being a Christian, I wasn't really living it in my own heart, and my own mind, and I was a pretty angry person at that point in my life, and uh, we, were, we went to a Wendy's, it was Hagen, Ellie, and me, and uh, we parked, and the kids were old enough that they would be able to go, you know, walk over to the door and get inside, they didn't need me helping them, so, you know, I just go ahead and go. So they start, and these about four or five guys in this car come flying in and almost hit them. Oh, man. I was hot. And so I told the kids, come here. And so we went over to that car. They parked in the back behind Wendy's. Good, nobody will see <laughs> what I'm about to do. And I'm telling you, I, was, I, I, I wasn't cussing. But I was chewing that driver out, so much so I was in the car, through the window, on him. Because I was ticked. They always took my kids out. They don't need to be driving in the... I don't care how good your frosty is, that you don't need to come in that fast and knocking people over. And then I realized, oh my word, I got my, I got my kids with me. And uh, it was actually in Fremont, where I had been a pastor, so somebody might be seeing me. And so I, I backed off. But isn't that how we respond? Shouldn't that be how Jesus would respond to Saul for killing people who are following Jesus? Well, see what Jesus does. So as Saul was traveling, because again, he got these papers, so he going go up to Damascus. It happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He's going to lightning strike him. Take him out. Nice. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> oh man, you ready for this? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now interesting, he's not persecuting Jesus, right? He's persecuting these other humans. But you touch one of Jesus, you're, you're messing with him. And so, you know, no, you're persecuting me. But get up and enter a city and it will be told to you what you must do. Oh, he's going to make him jump through some hoops first. That's pretty good. So the Bible tells us, we're not going to read them, but the Bible tells us that his servants help him to Damascus. He gets there, and Ananias, a guy who's a believer in Jesus Christ, is, in, is there. And so he, Ananias tells, uh, or God tells Ananias, hey, go talk to Saul. And so then this is what happens. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. And Nice is like, I'm not going to go help this guy out. He's killing us. You know, he might be coming for Ananias. Who knows? 
But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name, to carry this message of the gospel before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Let's go ahead and next. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus evidently is choosing, we don't have all the details, but he's obviously choosing to forgive uh, Saul of his sins, and he gives him uh, the Holy Spirit. All right? And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. So he made this public profession of his faith in Jesus. And he took food and was strengthened. <laughs> so Jesus is actually allowing, which we talked about bad things last week, but Jesus is allowing believers to be killed and arrested, you know, all that too, but killed is pretty bad, by Saul. And instead of taking Saul out, he, he initiates a relationship with Saul. Saul evidently says, hey, I get this, and I, I, I want that relationship with you. I realize I'm wrong. And so that, that relationship is then happens where he places faith in Christ. Again, we don't have all the details, but we know from Paul's writing that he obviously did that. And not only does God save him, forgive him of his sins, place God the Holy Spirit in him, but he changes his team. He takes Paul from killing, I'm sorry, Saul. It's Saul. He, we know him better as Paul, the apostle, but right now he's only being called Saul, so I want to be accurate to what the Bible's teaching. But this is actually the apostle Paul. We know him better as that. Anyways, he, he actually, his life changes in complete opposite. So he's now playing for the other team. He is now a follower of Jesus Christ bringing the message of this gospel. Now, why do I tell you that story if you haven't caught on already? You haven't killed anybody, have you? Yeah, some of you guys are looking around to see if any hands went up, all right? And even if you did, Saul was killing followers of Jesus and Jesus forgave him. So if you're here this morning and you're like, well, God could never forgive me. I'm telling you, based on what God says in the Bible, that yes, he can and he will. You're not too far gone. None of us are too far gone for God not to be able to forgive us. He wants to do it. And so the Apostle John, he actually puts it in a very succinct way. And so we're going to look at it. And so John says this, if we confess or we agree with God that we've done wrong, so the word confess means to agree with, so in context, agree with God that what we've done is wrong. Uh, so when we confess our sins, he, speaking of God, is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. He's going to choose to not hold them against us. Now, if you're already a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, and you might be struggling in your life because sometimes we get out of whack. I mean, I just told you a story about a time when, in my life where I was not quite following the Lord as I should, at least certainly not in my heart. When He forgave our sins, past, present, and future, when He gave our, forgave our sins in the past, from the past, those are 
forgiven. He's not using them against us. We might try to use them against us, but God's not going to use them against us. So if we're holding them against ourselves, we need to understand the truth is, the truth is God's not, and so therefore we shouldn't. Okay? And so anyways, um, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He removes even down to the guilt of our sin. The book of Hebrews talks about that God forgives us to, the, to our very conscience. Now again, God does that. We might keep on fighting him on that, but God does that. He, if we understand it and we learn about it and we, we make it part of our lives, we'll understand that he forgives us to, and cleanses us all the way down to our very conscience. Notice that Jesus doesn't have John specify a sin. He just said, confess your sin. Why? Because all sin, any amount of sin, can be forgiven by God and will be forgiven by God if we ask him to do that and if we give him our lives. And so we need, to be, we need him to forgive us. We need him to cleanse us. And then as, we, as he does that, then we begin to live life his way and we see him at work in our lives. So he shows us his love for us through Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. But he shows us his love by Jesus, God his son, dying on the cross for us, making it possible for us to have our sins forgiven. And then we show him our love once we're in that relationship with him by doing life the way he says to do life, to be living life the way Jesus. Just like Saul, life went complete opposite and began living for Jesus and, and sharing the message. So, how is God able to forgive everything that we've done? How is that possible? Well, as I was thinking about this, that question came to mind, but I think there's a, a question, um, why does God have to forgive us is maybe a, a question first. And so, why he has to forgive us is because we sinned against him. All right? Um, I think I have a verse up here. Yeah, so Galatians 3.10. It says, but those who depend on the law, God's law, to make them right with God are under his curse. Now, so people who believe, well, if I just do enough good things, religious things, non-religious, whatever, as long as I'm good, as long as I do what God says I'm supposed to do, that'll make me right with him. Well, God's telling us in the Bible, no, that's not the case. So now you and I need to decide, do we know better than God or not? We, we may have been told by other people that we do good things, we do religious things, we're going to be right with God. But God is telling us, and that's the one that matters, right? That no, it's not by doing good things from the law. For the scripture says, cursed or judged is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. And so when, when you've lied to somebody or when I've lied to somebody or we've gotten angry at somebody, or we've, whatever it is that we've done wrong, we've done wrong to them, and so we need to ask them for forgiveness, but we've also disobeyed God because God said don't do that to people. And so we need to ask for God's forgiveness and receive his forgiveness as well. And so whatever it is, it's ultimately something that we need to ask God for forgiveness. So that's why we're doing that. That's why we're coming before him. And only he can forgive us and declare us not, get, not guilty. Excuse me. So there's... There's nothing we can do to make us right with God. Only God can make us right with himself. All right? And so, now, um, it's, it's Jesus, or God, through Jesus, who chose to do what he wanted to do. Look what he says here in Romans chapter 5. 
says, For while we were still helpless, while we as individuals were sinful and ungodly, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for those who are sinful and ungodly. We who have not placed our faith in Christ. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even die. We've seen, we know people who have died for other people, right? We know people who are trying to save other people. Just recently in Hawaii and in Florida, people are trying to save other people, and they died. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ, Christ, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, God the Son, who put on flesh and became Jesus Christ, died for us. Go to the next one. Much more than having been justified or declared not guilty by God, by Jesus' blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. We're not going to experience God's wrath. And what he's talking about there is that judgment of sin, where when we die physically, we stand before Him without having placed our faith in Christ, then there's a death sentence, an eternal death sentence based on our sin against an eternal, infinite God. For if while we were sinners, or enemies, pardon me, while we were enemies, again, we might think God's a good guy, and we might like the idea of religion, and we might like the idea of a God, and all that kind of stuff. We might talk about the big man upstairs, you know, whatever. But if we have not placed our faith in Christ, if God has not forgiven us of our sins, God sees us as his enemies. We are working against him. Even if you're trying to be a good person, you're still working against them because good works don't make you right with God. And so we are his enemies. So if while we were enemies, we were reconciled or made right or at peace to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Saved from sin's eternal consequences, but also saved um, from the power of sin, sin's impact in our lives. And so, all of us, prior to coming to Christ, are, are sinners. We're considered enemies of God, by God. We deserve His wrath, His judgment. But God, who's the only one who can make this right, sends God the Son, Jesus Christ. He lives a perfect life, because He's God. And He dies on the cross to represent us, so that we wouldn't have to die. Now, here's a, a crucial point for you who are believers. And what he says here, if you're struggling in your life uh, with sin, you're kind of backtracking a little bit, and you're kind of just really um, having a difficult time with that. Jesus says, or Paul says, um, that it's through his life, saved by Jesus' life. And so we get that for salvation, but Saved by Jesus' life also has this idea of I live my life like Jesus, and when I do that, I save myself from the grief of sin. And so what we, if, we're, if we're tracking away from God and we're frustrated and irritated and we're unsure, then what we need to do is get back on track with God. Live the life that Jesus lived. How did Jesus live? He woke up every day. He tells us in the Gospels. You can read them. He woke up every day saying, I'm going to do what God directs me to do today. I don't do anything in my life. I don't do anything that God hasn't already told me to do. That's living Jesus' way. So that's how we do it. Jesus used to get up early in the morning, spend time with God in prayer. Of course, he is the Word, so he didn't need to <laughs> read the Word in a sense. But he get to spend time with God. So then what should we do? We should wake up in the morning. We should spend time with God in his Word. Why? Because Jesus did. Living the life that Jesus lived. It's, it's, 
It's very logical. It's not necessarily easy, but it's very logical and what we need to be doing. All right, so how can Jesus die for all the sin you and I have ever committed? How is that possible? Later on in Romans chapter 5, in verse 20, oh man, am I, I'm way ahead. Or, yeah. Yeah, we'll move on. Thank you. That's good though. Thanks. I love that verse. Didn't you guys love that verse? All right, go to the next one. So, how can you do this? So later on in chapter 5, verse 20, it says this, The law came in so that the transgression would increase. So God gave us his law. And for us, it's kind of like the Ten Commandments, right? Because we don't have to obey the Mosaic law that Israel had. But like the Ten Commandments, we're all kind of like, yeah, we need to do the Ten Commandments. It's good stuff. So God gave us that. And the more we understand the Ten Commandments, the more we understand, whoa, we really have messed up. And so that's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is just to tell us how bad we are. It was never meant to save us. All right? So if you read the Bible and you're like, man, I messed up there. Yeah, I messed up there. Yeah, that's, that's the whole point. It's for us to see where we're not lining up where God wants us to be. And then, then it also tells us how to line up and do life His way. But anyways, so, but where sin increased, so no matter how much you sin, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter how heavy that is, we put it on a, a scale, grace, God's gift of forgiveness, abounded all the more. Why? Because God and everything about Him is infinite. His grace is infinite. His power is infinite. His forgiveness is infinite. There's nothing that you can do that he can't forgive because he is infinite. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness, talking about Jesus' righteousness, to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the the law tells us how bad we are. And that's good. We need to know that. And it's good if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, oh man, I am just messed up. Awesome. That's not a bad thing. If it brings you to Jesus, it brings you to the one who said, hey, listen, I'm willing to forgive you of that. And I'm not only just willing to forgive you, but I'm willing to give you God the Holy Spirit so he can take you through this life and provide for you and protect you and all the things the Bible says that God wants to do in our lives as being our father. And then when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Again, it's only something that, that God can do. Now, I don't want to confuse the matter. There is a sin that a person can commit that, will, uh, that God can't forgive. And it's the sin of rejecting the gospel. It's the, it's the sin of refusing to receive his forgiveness when it's been offered to you. And so if you're here this morning... Just as we look at our takeaways, if you're here this morning, you've never uh, received God's forgiveness. You've never had that conversation with him where you say, God, forgive me of my sin, and, and I believe what, what you say about Jesus dying on the cross for my sin, and I'm, I'm placing my faith in Christ and Christ alone. If you've never had that conversation, then that's your takeaway. Don't reject it. Uh, honestly, I, I, have a, I struggle with why someone would reject that. I mean, if you're thinking, well, because some you know, people in my life will make fun of me for it or give me a hard time for it. Well, number one, if they're going to do that, are they really friends? 
know, they may say they love you, but if they don't love you enough to let you kind of track with who God is and what God's done in your life, then... And are you going to throw your eternity away for another person's opinion? I guess there's another way of looking at it. Man, listen, you guys, don't, don't reject what God's offering. It's going to impact you for eternity starting today if you receive it today. And so it's just admitting that you've, you've, you've sinned and that you've gone against what God has said. And we've all done that. And then it's just believing, putting your full weight of trust on it. It's not you doing good enough to get to heaven. It's what Jesus did. Only Jesus is good enough. He's perfect. He's God. And he died on the cross. And it's confessing that. It's just telling God that. Yeah, I'm wrong. I was believing wrong. But now I'm believing right. And I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Here's what I'd like to do. Just go ahead and close your eyes. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I hear what you're saying. Conversation with God. It sounds kind of weird. So let me just lead you in something that you can say to God. Your heart to God's heart. I'm not saving you. If, you. if you truly are genuinely wanting this for your life, then it's God who's saving you. And just say this, God, I know that I've sinned and I'm separated from you. But I also know now and I believe I'm putting my full weight of trust that Jesus took your wrath for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, I would love to know about it. Uh, you, can, you can put it on a uh, Connect card and throw it in the, the bucket as you're heading out. That, hey, I, I prayed to accept Christ. If you want me to contact you and give you some information to help you kind of move in that, then you know, put your name and contact information. If you want, just text me. Shoot me a text. That's my phone number there. I know it's 240. That's a Maryland number. Don't worry about it. It'll still get to me. And uh, just say, hey, I prayed to accept the Lord this week. If you want me to respond, uh, put your name down so I know who it is and I can kind of respond back and maybe we can get together and even talk about it if you like. But we, need, we want to help you understand what that is and what that means for your life and how that looks. For believers... Your takeaway is to experience the freedom through living Jesus' life. Doing life God's way is how we say it all the time. But I think we say it so often that people say, oh, here we go. Okay, then let's try this. Uh, Freedom through living Jesus' life. Because Jesus says there's freedom in living his life. So if you're like, well, how did he live? Go into the Gospels and read and find out what Jesus did. And what you're going to find, like I said, Jesus woke up, he spent time with God. Then as he went through the day, he brought God into his conversations with people. Um, And then he he died on the cross. Uh, You don't have to die on the cross, fortunately. Um, But you may have to die to yourself and what you want to do in order to keep doing what God wants you to do. It's living life Jesus' way. And when we do that, it'll swing us in a direction that God wants us to go in. And now will feel and sense and understand that we're part of the team. We're going to be representing Christ just like Paul did. Saul, the Apostle Paul, did. And all the other apostles. And the believers in the first century church that allowed the church to get to where we are at today. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer.